and welcome to the Healing the Patriarchy with Love podcast. I'm your host Luna and together we're becoming Rebels of the Heart, one show at a time. Hi there my Rebels of the Heart, how are you doing? So I wanted to come and speak to you today. And I wanted to speak to you about the death of the Queen in the UK, the state funeral that followed her death, and the healing that has been brought through her death for myself and others. And also may touch a little bit just on death in general. However, I sense that there is another podcast forming that will be a little bit more about death. However, we can't obviously talk about the Queen's death without talking about death, so there will be a bit of that in this. Today is the 21st of September, and the Queen's funeral was on the 19th of September. It was my intention to do this podcast yesterday, and I was so grief-stricken and in such a state that I actually couldn't do the podcast And the only reason I'm able to do it today is because I had what can only be described as an epic healing at a women's circle last night. (laughs) And I'm only just about able to come and speak to you still because I'm still a bit wobbly, to be honest. But I'm, I'm okay, I'm like able to speak to you. Of course, you can hear I'm speaking to you and I'm here doing it, so I must be okay. To begin with, I wanna say that I've never been a royalist which for me, I've never been anti-royalty because I'm just not the sort of person that gets anti about things. I tend to focus on what I love. But I've never really understood them. I've never understood them. The first time I ever realised that we had royalty and that it was a thing, I was very, very little and Princess Diana got married. And... My maternal grandmother, who I absolutely loved, but who had quite a temper. I was I was born into an abusive family, so I was abused as a child. And my maternal grandmother did have quite a temper on her. And sometimes you got lovely things from her and lovely moments with her, and then sometimes not so lovely moments and things with her. And one of the memorable moments for me, one of the nice moments was actually Princess Diana's wedding. Because I loved weddings, I've always loved weddings, I've always wanted to be married. I've just always had that in me, I've just always had that, and I've wanted that. And she knew, and so, she and she knew that Princess Diana was getting married, and I didn't even know she was getting married, because my mum and dad were actually probably, I think you probably could say were anti-royalists, or leaning towards that anyway. They, They didn't believe in it, so they never spoke about them ever, nothing was ever you know on the tv or in the house to do with royalty so I didn't even know we had royalty and then all of a sudden there's this great big beautiful royal wedding and and I'm a little girl that loves weddings so I was very very excited and my nana was excited because she liked the royalty so she was excited too so she was quite on board with it and so she videoed it for me and we watched it about a million times together And she saved me all the pullouts from the newspapers and magazines. And there was lots. (laughs) And there was lots. I had lots. 
and I loved it and I loved to look at the pictures and I just go over it and over it and over it again and again and honestly it was a bit like you know when you get a cake and you hit the buttercream and it's like oh my god and it just hits the spot it was kind of like that I just couldn't get enough of it I just loved it I absolutely loved the royal weddings and then of course not long after Diana's there was um Sarah Ferguson got married as well um so we had two in quite quick succession and that was kind of my entry point to knowing that our country because I'm in the UK has royalty a monarchy but nobody ever tells you what the monarchy is or what the royalty are doing <laughs> they just you just ever hear it it's not taught to you you would think it would be in school or something but it's not you don't get taught and nobody really talks about it and everybody just loves the really sort of lavish occasions where you know there's a christening or a death or a birth or a marriage but nobody ever talks about the elephant in the room of what is the monarchy <laughs> so honestly even now <laughs> I've had to look this up because I didn't know and I thought I can't really do this podcast without knowing so but I'll just read it to you because this is obviously not coming from me and it's believe it or not I've been on the royal website to get this not bad for somebody who was not really into the royalist into the royalty and it says the sovereign and I love the way they use that word right acts as a focus for national identity unity and pride gives a sense of stability and continuity officially recognizes success and excellence and supports the ideal of voluntary service in all these roles the sovereign is supported by members of their immediate family i actually really like that role you know when i read it like that i really like it but when i see it like on TV and things, I think, oh, what are we doing? It just seems like a total nonsense. But when I read that, I actually really like it. And you know what? I think we're all doing that to a degree. And the more of us that do it, the better. So, yeah, I'm feeling a bit better about the monarchy. I am. I think it's given me quite a healing, really, This the death of the Queen. And when she died... You know, it wasn't a shock to anybody, I don't think. I mean, I think, was she 97 or something? I know she was elderly. And she the only shock really was that she worked the day before. She was working the day before. So we'd all seen how frail she looked. And bless her, working the day before she dies. I mean, I don't really think anybody should have to do that. But she obviously did it. And, and that, I think, was actually one of the things with her. She She would never let you down. And so we hear the news that she's died and I saw it on the news and I had a really shocking reaction for somebody that doesn't really care for royalty. And I burst into tears and and, it, and when I say I cried, it was, you know, one of those deep, you know, it's really deep and painful inside you. It was like something was just uprooted and it was so painful. And I didn't cry long, I only cried for, I don't know, about 20 seconds or something, but God, was it a release, it was a massive release. And I was quite shocked, because I don't like royalty, so why am I crying? And I just kind of thought, oh, I'm probably just picking up on the collective or something. <laughs> oh, how wrong I was. <laughs> Famous last words. So, but then I start to feel really decidedly uncomfortable. And I was livid. 
oh my god was there a fire inside me i was fucking fuming to be honest absolutely livid sorry about my language i swear all the time i hope you can just live with that <laughs> suddenly everybody stops listening <laughs> and this anger was like a resentment and it was burning me up you know it was one of them where you can't sleep so you know it's disturbing my sleep so okay I'm gonna have to sit with this because it's ass it's begging me for attention so I go and sit with it and I'm expecting like maybe I'm projecting because as I've just told you you know my family were abusive so maybe I'm projecting onto the royal family that they're abusive and so you know I don't want to feel sad about them dying because they're not very nice people or whatever so I sat there but you know what I wasn't projecting I honestly I wasn't I really did check in with myself very honestly and I was not projecting and I thought well I, I just can't figure it out I don't know what it is so it's you know really just one of those I'm just gonna have to let this run its course I'm just gonna have to let it run its course but my god was it uncomfortable and then in the country it became difficult for anybody that was having these strong reactions like I was and I think most pretty much everybody I've spoken to has had a big reaction in some way or another and it's not necessarily sadness a lot of people have been angry and resentful and there's been all kinds of things in between as well but everybody has had a strong reaction of some sort so the collective healing from our queen's death is big it's a really big thing and so I let it, I just kind of like let it run its course. And then the media was very, um, very strong in their message here in the UK. I don't know what it was like in other areas. If you're from other areas, I'd love to know if you were getting the same thing, but everywhere you went. So on, on doors, in shops, and even on some people's windows, people have printed out, you know, black sheets with the Queen's um portrait on and saying r.i.p on so you think right i can't face this i'm actually already overwhelmed so i'll do my shopping online you log online to do your shopping and there's a big black banner the same thing you think oh i'll i'll go on i'll go on youtube and just get like a relaxing meditation you go on youtube sponsored sponsored and it's all black and it's all about the queen <laughs> so you're just like all right so there's not going to be any getting away from this then <laughs> not going to get a break from this one am i kind of thing and it became quite oppressive and people were getting upset about the fact that you couldn't escape it there was no kind of um breathing space for grief to actually move through it was kind of almost becoming a bit stagnated because of it and Anybody that said anything uh, anti-monarchy was actually being arrested and banned from social media for life and things like this. So people then start to get, you know, really peed off because that's not right. We should be able to say, you know, freedom of speech. And, and OK, you could say there's a time and a place because there is. But equally, people were in the midst of a massive healing and part of that might be writing anti-monarchy things online. I know I saw quite a lot of stuff that it wasn't really anti-monarchy, but it was very, very good academic arguments for not having a monarchy, for example. And I was quite into those. They were 
they were sort of helping me through. <laughs> and I think, you know, the elephant in the room, of course, is that there's been uh, colonization. There's been brutality, you know, that brought about the British Empire. And it was apparent that a lot of people are very, very angry and very, very resentful. So at least, at least I was in a good club. I was there was loads of us. There was absolutely loads of us. <laughs> I was in good company. And that you know, this is like a really big healing that's taken place. But outside from that kind of very obvious healing that you would expect to take place, for me there was something deeper going on, and that was the bit that I couldn't access and I just didn't understand at all. And then we had the funeral and I didn't watch it because I'd already had enough of all these black banners and things and I just thought it would be more of the same and so I didn't feel to watch it and then my friend said oh no watch it it's it's just incredible it's really moving and very touching and you should watch it and then in that moment I felt intuitively guided to watch it so I did so I I, I actually just watched it on YouTube because I didn't get to watch it live because this was after it had been on live and I was gobsmacked never in my life have I seen anything like it I mean did you watch it let me know if you watched it and what you thought of it because I'm I'm fascinated I could talk about this forever really honestly I was so fascinated by it and it wasn't what I expected. And we've had state funerals here before. And they weren't like that. They were nothing like that. I mean, not that I've, I don't think I've ever particularly watched any state funerals, but I just know they weren't like that. You can just tell, you can sense that they were not on that scale. It was very, very grand. It was spectacular. And I mean, outside from sort of the, you know, the kind of like the actual funeral pieces that took place, the sort of key component that kind of bridged the funeral the actual funerals because there were actually three funerals as part of it so there was kind of like the state one um one that was for more people that she'd worked with kind of thing and then afterwards there was going to be one that was completely private thank goodness for the family but in between that there was these huge processions and when I say huge they said that the like the the actual procession of people itself, so sort of like starting at the front with, I don't know, I think it was Millet, I think it might have been Canadian Mounties at the front. Honestly, it was just amazing, this. And and then at the back, whoever was at the back, was an, a mile and a half long. And of course, they walked slow because there was, you know, a coffin and it was a funeral and they marched so slow and they swayed with their marching and Honestly, it was hypnotic, absolutely hypnotic to watch. And it was so precise. I didn't see anybody make one single false move or error. I don't know how they did that. I don't even know how they knew where to stand or what they were doing. I was like, what, have they like practiced this? They can't have done because it was too big. It was too big to have practiced it. I don't know how they did it. Honestly, it was just incredible. So you haven't seen it. I mean, even just go and watch a bit of it and you'll get flavour for it. It was just a sight to behold. And I don't think we'll ever see anything like it ever again in this lifetime and possibly in others. So it's well worth it.
but whilst I was watching it, I can't help but kind, you know, I'm quite sensitive, so I was kind of like more intrigued by the energy really than what was going on kind of thing. And I was looking at all these military in their very old, I want to say costumes, because it was, a lot of people have said it was theatrical. The other word that a lot of people have called it was surreal. And it was because honestly, it was like archaic. So their uniforms looked more like costumes. You know, they weren't in like a, what you'd normally see a soldier in. They're not going to get down in the ditches, <laughs> you know, in, in what they were wearing. And I, I assume, but I don't know anything about um, the military. I can only presume that these are like, you know, reserved for special occasions, like the few state funerals. And they all did this swaying and everything. And I looked at them and I, and you know what I really got? It was like the broken masculine, and I'm not talking about them as people. I'm talking about the collective energy of it. So this is not disrespectful to any person. I'm just talking about the energy that it was representing. It was like the broken masculine, you know, all this military, all these there was guns going off, great big guns being fired, drums, trumpets, bagpipes. God, honestly, <laughs> you can tell I'm still shocked by it. I'm still shocked. Anyway, then I looked at them and I thought, that's the broken masculine that's being represented there. It's like the old, worn out, distorted, broken, can't continue anymore like this, masculine. And it's escorting the old feminine. And I'm not talking about the queen as in, ah, she's an old feminine. I'm talking about her not as a person, but as an avatar which is what I saw her as when she was um, in the coffin and was in the procession. That's kind of how I thought of it, rather than thinking of it as a, in a personal sense of her being a human being, thinking of her as an avatar. And she was representing the energy of the old feminine. And for hours, they walked each other to their death. And the final bit that we got to see, she was placed in the chapel, in her coffin, and it's then going to be moved into the ground. And I just thought it was so symbolic of going back to the earth. It's gone back to it's gone back to the earth. It's gone back to light. It's gone back to the source, basically. And then I realised what it was reminding me of. And I thought. And again, no offence is made by this. I mean, I do have a bit of a funny sense of humour, to be fair. And I thought, if the patriarchy is dead, had a musical theatre show, that was it. It's like the box office, number one best-selling show, spectacular. Cues round the block to watch it, because there was spectacular of the patriarchy is dead and that's what that's what it was and I watched it die and I thought no wonder it was done on such a grand scale and it was made a bank holiday here in the UK so that you know as many people as possible could watch because it's really good for our minds to actually have something that it's seen that is like quite tangible and concrete so that it can then understand what's happening in terms of the body and, and emotions and energy. It just kind of calms the mind. And so now all of us have just witnessed 
the patriarchy is dead. And we've just watched the old broken masculine escort the old feminine to death and go back to the earth. How amazing is that? And it was breathtaking. I mean, in a very weird way. I mean, honestly, I was thinking, if there's people watching this from other countries, I mean, I think it looks nuts. If you're from another country and you watched it, you must think they are absolutely bonkers in the UK. Because <laughs> it was, it was crazy. And it was surreal and it was theatrical and it was all this pageantry and pomp and traditions that, you know, I don't know how long they've been a tradition for, but a long time. And it was fascinating to watch and I'm grateful that I watched it and it was beautiful. And the people who took part did an absolutely outstanding job, a sterling job. And it was a very fitting tribute to our queen. I'm going to cry saying that. And... I'm just having a moment, sorry. Because I'm still sad. But I did feel okay to come and do this podcast, but I am sad. I am sad. Yeah. And what I realised as well was they were talking about how Charles had picked the flowers for the, the casket and he's he chose this is really this is really interesting he chose rosemary for remembrance myrtle for lasting love in union and oak for strength in love and if that isn't a message to us all i don't know what is and for me you know the strength in union can obviously be you can think of it in lots of different ways community becoming you know one big family as the one big tribe um across the globe or even just the sacred union of what i'm going to talk about a bit more on some of my other podcasts about my sense for patriarchy is that it's external symptoms from an internal issue and the internal issue is that we've been stuck in our minds too much and we haven't had our hearts open in other words we've over relied on and overvalued our mind and we've undervalued and under relied on our heart and there's like a reshift and balancing that needs to take place and when that happens you know the choices we make will create different cultures different systems different structures different ways of being and that way of being will not be patriarchal and the way that we've created from a, a mind that we're stuck in and is therefore usually in most cases is unhealthy because it's not designed to be stuck in um you know, we created the patriarchal systems and structures and things like that together through that. And so that, that sacred union thing was really struck a chord with me because of that. And I just thought, God, this is like, this is really some powerful stuff happening here with this death. I honestly I bow down at her feet, I do. And not in a, oh, she's royalty and I'm a peasant kind of way, just genuinely at the epicness of her soul and what it's done for us. And how that must have been for her as a human. So all of this was really unsettling. You can probably tell I'm still a little bit um, unsettled with it all. And I'm still in a healing process with it all. So last night I went to a women's circle with my teacher, Jane, so that I could get some healing 
and hopefully move through it a bit more graceful because I've been moving through it very clumsily, which is okay. But obviously, if grace is available, then why not take it? So, so I went to this healing circle, and I don't think the women will mind me saying I'm not going to name anybody. But collectively, we all had similar thoughts about what I've just shared about the funeral, and and then um, some other things came about as well. So I don't know if you remember, but there was a Buddhist monk who was a great teacher. He's amazing, and he really kind of taught mindfulness breath work, peace, taking care of the earth. Um, gosh, I can't remember his name now. Oh, God, sorry. I keep getting these um, brain fog moments since I had COVID for the third time. Um, Thich Nhat Hanh. I think that's how you say his name. Again, I, I'm not very good at pronunciation and I, I didn't really follow him that much as a teacher. I thought he was awesome, but his teachings just weren't weren't for me at this time. When he died, because I, I don't really, you know, I, I've not really followed him, so I don't really have a connection to him or anything. But without even looking at the news or social media, I knew that he had died. I felt him die. I literally felt it hit the earth. And so I had a session with my teacher after that, just after he had died. And I'd said to her, I I literally knew when he died. I, I, I felt it hit the earth, and I don't know why. I, I'm not connected to him. He's not like my favorite teacher I don't even really follow him um so why would I know that and she said to me this wonderful teaching which I don't think she'll mind me sharing and she said that when somebody dies the seeds that are in their heart become a gift to the earth so they kind of like scatter over the earth if you like when they die I mean god isn't that just beautiful a brilliant teaching of hers and that's what I'd felt and why I'd knew that he had died, because I felt the seeds in his heart, seeds of his teachings, really, hit the earth and go into the collective consciousness. And how I think of it is, whatever your purpose has been on earth, the evolved energy of that, so like the end product of you working through that, is the energy that goes into the collective consciousness. So, for example, when I die, what will go into the collective consciousness is how I healed the patriarchy with love. So that will that kind of how far I get with it is what will go into the collective consciousness, which is why I need to go as far as I can with it. And I'm going to do the best I can because I really want to serve everybody and I want to leave the biggest gift I can. And we never know how long we've got. You know, I could die in the middle of this. We don't know. And I'm going to talk about that in another podcast um, about death. And so then when we go back to the queen and think of her as this avatar, what do we think she was holding? Now, in the women's circle, my teacher was talking about how she was the sovereign, like I just read out to you at the start. So she was the sovereign. So she was holding sovereignty for us all. So when she died, she's no longer holding sovereignty for us all. So guess what? It's our time to hold the energy of sovereignty within us. And that is why I was so angry and resentful. I was angry and resentful that she'd left me to hold the energy of sovereignty when I didn't feel fucking ready. I don't feel ready to hold it. I don't know how to hold it. I don't know how to be sovereign. 
And it's interesting that I'd had that much resistance. So the healing yesterday has helped, but it's probably going to be a bit of a bit of a ride, I suspect, because it's, it's helped, but I'm still a bit, ah, <laughs> about it. But that will have happened for everybody across the board. So we are all now being asked to hold the energy of sovereignty and embody it ourselves in terms of the female, because she obviously was female. But then I also thought about it and thought, well, what was she? What was the real gift that she's gifting us then? And if you think about it, she, because we all know that her her dad, who was the king, died, and she was only twenty five, and she immediately had to become queen. Can you even imagine that? Can you imagine that? God, I mean, that really was a service to us. It actually was, and and whether you like the monarchy, like as in what it does and what it represents and everything or not you cannot deny that on a human and soul level that is a really big deal that she did that and yes you can say she had no choice or she had lots of people to help her and she had loads of money and yada yada but that doesn't matter it was still a mammoth task and she did it and she did it with bells on to be fair to her as well but not only that she held that sovereignty and, and being the queen, she held that role through maiden, mother, and crone. So what she's actually done is held the energy of adapting through difficult transitions and changes, but never coming away from your commitment and your morals. So if you think about what she's now left us, She's left us that, she's left us that gift. She's left us the gift of the energy of how to adapt through lots of difficult changes and transitions. And I think that's very telling us for what's coming next. And I, for one, am grateful to her that she's done that for us and that she gifted us that. Because if she hadn't done that level of work and done it so well, we wouldn't have that gift of energy for ourselves. I'll tell you something as well. Whilst I was watching the funeral, I was panicking a bit at the end and I was thinking, oh, my God. And I was like, oh, God. And I was like, oh, Queen, I've got to do a podcast about this. And to tell the truth, I'm not that into royals and I'm worried that I'm going to disrespect you. And his spirit came. I don't mean a soul, obviously a soul's gone back to the light, but I'm talking about, you know, kind of like her energy or a frequency or a spirit, however you want to think of it. Let's call it spirit because I think that's mostly understood by people. And do you know what? She put a hand on my shoulder. And I was a bit like, oh, my God, the Queen's here. <laughs> oh, no, she's going to tell me off. <laughs> and um, she just said, you must do your duty the same way I did. And I was like, oh, no, it's my duty. <laughs> ah, run for the hills. <laughs> I don't like responsibility. It scares me. And she was just like, and then I was crying to her and I said, sorry, I'm going to cry again. And I said to her, but I'm alone and I feel scared. And you know what she said to me? She said, you've got your animals. They make great companions. 
And in that moment, I knew that she had had times like I'm having now and was having then where she was frightened of what was being asked of her and she felt alone and she felt scared. And I know she had Philip, but we all know in our marriages, we don't give them everything. You know, we have friendships and we have therapists and things like that to deal with things. And she, I knew that she'd had moments where she'd felt alone. I could sense it. I really, really could sense it. And I'm so grateful and I cannot believe that her frequency was made available to me in that moment and just with that message and I will carry that message with me forever, honestly. <laughs> you must do your duty the same way I did. And now I'm just wondering if she means the same way that she did like do it like she did or the same way as in like like I had to as well kind of thing I, I don't know what she means by that but anyway just totally blessed that she visited <laughs> and that I got that guidance from her wonderful well I'm wondering if we're coming to an end here now I've cried I've laughed <laughs> I think we've maybe come full circle, haven't we? Well, for me, I'm actually grateful. And I, like I say, I never used to be into royalty at all. And I still, I still sense that it really needs to change. It can't carry on. It's not, it's not a fit, I don't think, for where we're headed. Um, certainly not in its current format. So whether it's going to change or die, I don't know. I think Charles has got the most difficult role because he's sort of immediately taken the reins whilst very grief stricken. And, and to be fair, you know, he's too old, really. Um, and I know he wants to do it and will probably do his best. But should he really be even given the chance at that age? I don't know. I think some of this is a little bit, you know, where are our morals with this, really? And one thing that I hope has died, you know, alongside... The queen and I think it did it looked like it did at the funeral was like you know the stiff upper lip that's associated with being British like nobody was allowed to show any emotion at this funeral like I tell you how bad it was right nobody was allowed to show any emotion so they weren't able to smile or laugh or cry or anything like that they just had to look solemn so everybody was kind of looking down with this like fake frown on the face and and I, and I don't doubt, doubt that they were solemn and they were sad, but it, it was just fake because they were all being made to do it. And it was like a uniform emotion that they'd been told to have. And then what I noticed was the women and children, this is absolutely crazy, right? The women and children were placed in cars at the back of the procession, like with blacked out windows and all that. And I know some of that will be because it was, flipping long procession and they're not they're not in the military so they obviously can't march with the military and I understand that but if you look at it from a, an alternative perspective what it was also saying was they're a risk because they're going to be emotional <laughs> quick hide them hide them in a blacked out car don't let them show any emotion and I really hope that that has also gone and been laid to rest because you can't have an open heart and not show emotion and what we need more of in this world is open hearts and discerning minds in the sacred union, just like the myrtle in the Queen's casket display taught us.
Yeah, and I think that's it, lesson complete. So I hope you've enjoyed listening. Please come back for more. I think I am going to come back and talk about death a bit. Probably going to cry and laugh again because that's just me. <laughs> so if you can, if you can stick me through that, you can stick with me through anything. So thank you for listening. I love you all so much, and I'm really excited and looking forward to sharing more podcasts with you. If you've got any questions, any topics you would like covered, anything like that, any way of connecting, please, please do. My heart is open to all of you. I really do want to hear from you. I'm very interested in you. And I want this to kind of become almost like a community of what I call rebels of the heart. So if you're a rebel of the heart, get in touch. Okay, take care, lovelies. Lots of love. Thank you for listening. Bye. for listening to the healing the patriarchy with love podcast let's get together again soon and in the meantime please follow me on my facebook page at facebook.com forward slash luna louise Anna.